Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? It's LHG, and welcome to episode four of Critical Conversations. I'm so grateful for my listening and viewing audience. You guys are amazing. Thank you for all your support thus far on this journey. It's just me today, and yes, the setup is a little bit different. I am recuperating uh, from a procedure, so I had to get a little comfortable. I won't be on too long. I just kind of wanted to recap a few things, and tonight's show is called the body keeps the score when you don't tell the story. One of the reasons why this is important to me because I purchased this book and that's going to be the basis of our conversation. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Brain, Mind and Body in the Healing of Trauma by Bessel van der Kolk, MD. And this book was introduced to me uh, in therapy. Yeah. She saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost field, and she has a therapist and a counselor and all those wonderful things because I believe that it takes all that. Uh, we ain't at the gate yet, so it takes all that for us to be healed totally, holistically. Yeah, that part. So let's pray and, and let me talk to the Lord real quick and we'll just dive right into it, get into it as the young folks say, Father God. I am so grateful, God, that I can call you my father because um, many of us have had so many issues in our lives with fatherlessness or having fathers that didn't have interest or maybe maybe we had a father, but there really wasn't a connection. And with every deficit, you come to feel it. You come to feel every void, to supply every need, to heal every hurt to calm every raging sea that many of us experience in the course of our lifetime. So God, tonight, do as you have done every show thus far and meet us here, illuminate this topic and allow us to take away things that we can make useful in our lives. And even if it doesn't apply to us directly, that we can uh, make use of it for those who we love and those who we know who are suffering and those who we don't know who are suffering. Let us forever be accepting of people's story. Let us never judge people for where they came from and what they have endured. And I come against the religious spirit that has blocked us and tricked us from getting the help that we so desperately need and caused us to be fake and phony in the pews. So even in this human experience, God, we need you. We need you as our creator. We need you as our sustainer. We need you as our alpha and omega and the beginning and the end and the author and finisher of our faith and everything in between. So God, tonight, if one person gets some kind of encouragement and is able to walk away from this broadcast saying and seeing hope, exists, then my job is done. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo. So y'all, I started the show. I came out with a very powerful topic, y'all. And I know our party was like, oh, she came out kicking. 
But I came out with this topic about childhood trauma, emotional trauma, because that's where I'm at. And I'm very transparent. I probably overshare, but I'm very transparent about my journey uh, and my diagnosis um, that I faced this year. And let me just interject and say, I am a praying woman. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the potency of prayer. I believe in the Bible. And I believe all of that. However, in my own experiences as an adult and in going back to what I've seen as a child, there were many people that have undiagnosed issues in and out of the church. And this has been passed down to different generations. Let me give me a cup of a sip of tea, y'all. You know you menopausal when you got tea and cold water next to each other. So excuse me. Don't come on here dehydrated, y'all. We we likes to be hydrated for the conversation because it's a heavy conversation. And even when I go into it, I have to proceed with caution because there are such things as triggers. And let me give you my disclaimers. I'm not here to trigger you, uh, but this conversation could cause you to reflect on some things that have occurred in your life. I have to deal with that every day. Uh, my other disclaimer is this is not a blame game. This is my life that I am unfolding, that I am putting in front of the masses uh, as I walk through a healing journey of my own as someone's child and as someone's mother, as someone's wife, as someone's leader, as someone's sister. And the reason why I found myself diving into this topic is because I didn't like how I was showing up in all of those relationships. I didn't like the me that was showing up to the occasion. And when you realize that your responses to people, how you react to people, your lack of trust for people, um, it could come from something else, even down into your physical ailments. When my grandmother, my paternal grandmother was alive, she had a bag of medications, like a grocery bag of medications. And I'm like, Lord, please don't let me grow up to have to take a multitude of medicines. But guess what? At 47, I have a bag of medications. Now, some of them are just vitamin supplements, but some of them have to do with, you know, keeping me okay. And that's okay. I didn't want that for myself, but here I am. But also it's time to have the conversations about where did these ailments come from? Where do some of the stressors that cause headaches, arthritis, diabetes, high and low blood pressure, where are some of the, these things coming from? Because they're causing a, a physiological response to what? To what trauma? To what stressors? And many of us, and let me, let me just go here for just a minute. Many of us are working every day. We're overworking. We are turning on the lights in the office. We're turning off the lights in the evening. We're leaving home in the dark. We're coming back home in the dark. And we are literally selling our souls 
for this paycheck. Now, of course, we need our coins. Honey, don't I know? Don't I know? But at what cost? At what cost? The blood, the sweat, the tears, sometimes the public humiliation. Sometimes you know you're working hard, but you get called into the office and told that you're not making a cut, possibly because the expectations of the employer are unreasonable and inhumane. And the more that we do, get this, the more that we do, the more that we normalize working 10 hours a day, six days a week, the more that we grind so hard that we don't have any cartilage in our jaw. True story. I grind my teeth at night when I'm stressed and it got to the point where I have no cartilage in my jaw. Bone on bone because the stress is following me home and getting in the bed with me and I'm grinding my teeth in my sleep. And speaking of sleep, many of us aren't even having enough sleep because we are so inundated with thoughts about work. Did I turn in this by the deadline? Did I send this email to the right person? What is this going to do when I get back in the job? I need to make sure I go to these meetings. Mm -mm. And as much as I understand and was ingrained and taught to work hard as a child, uh, my mother worked very hard, uh, but also I saw her come home broken uh, every day. I saw her come home fragmented and very fragile and easily irritated. And that manifested itself in an unhappy woman, which translated to an unhappy home. And I found myself going down that path as well. Excuse me, my throat is dry. I found myself going down that path as well in my own home. Uh, my husband would call me, text me. I thought you were on the way home. I want to respond to one more email and responding to one more email, letting people know you're there beyond five o'clock PM drums up an entire conversation. And next thing you know, it's seven 30. And then when you get home and you have a child and you have a husband, you don't have anything to give to them not much to give to yourself. And now you are exhausted mentally, exhausted physically, because you showed people that, and you pretended to be invincible. So we've got to normalize saying good night, normalize the eight hour day. <laughs> because what has happened is if they know you have the capacity to push to 10 hours, if they know you have the capacity to take on so many projects and work on the weekends, guess what? They are going to expect that. And then some of you, I'm telling you, hands down, I've seen it happen. And the trauma that people are dealing with is coming out in how they lead us how their personalities are narcissistic or they try to avoid having um, confrontation or conversation. They hide behind the computer. They're dealing with their own level of trauma as well, but they're in a higher position. So what happens? That trauma that they call themselves hiding exposes itself in how they respond to you in email and talking 
and how they beat you over the head about your projects, how they publicize your mistakes and minimize your triumphs. And next thing you know, everybody is stressed out. Everybody is lashing out. And it's our bodies that is internalizing that and that is translating into dis-ease in our mind and in our body. So just recapping the last couple of shows, our first show, we talked about specific instances of childhood trauma. And each show, I plan to give you a little bit more information and context about myself and about why this topic resonates with me. Uh, going back to my childhood, I was a, a very obese child. I would say by the age of nine or 10, I was well over 200 pounds. Um, and food was a crutch. Um, also, in terms of what we ate, and you know, culturally, we tend to eat a lot of fried food, fried chicken, fried pork chops, ribs. I ate all of that. Um, I would say that my parents tried to balance it a little bit, but we ate a lot of fried oily food. We went out to dinner, you know, frequently. Uh, so, and again, this is nothing in terms of to say that my parents were to blame. They fed me. I did not lack food as a kid. That's not my story. Praise God. Uh, but uh, what wasn't there was the thought process. What should we be, be eating to create a healthy child and a healthy self? That really wasn't conversation. So as the obesity um, went on, then there were times when we would get ready to go shopping for clothing for me. And because of my size, we couldn't go to the kids store. Now they might've had some little husky sizes, but basically we had to go to the Marianne Plus and Learners Plus and, you know, an actual adult clothing store for my size, which meant the clothing was probably a little bit more adult than what my mom wanted it to be. And then she had a seamstress start to make some dresses for me um, because I was a very large child. Now, take that same thing to school. Kids are cruel. And I wonder if these cruel kids are being raised by cruel parents uh, because just being the, I used to pray to God I was not the only obese child in the class. Spread the wealth. If you're going to talk about me, talk about me and the other fat girl. But, you know, when you look at the class dynamic and you're the only large person, then when the when the popular kids feel like capping on you, and that's what we called it back in the day, you are the butt of their fat jokes. So over the years, I created this mean girl persona to try to protect myself from being hurt by the bullies. And speaking of... Speaking of bullies, what was so interesting, y'all, and y'all going to get a lot of of insight on LHG tonight. Ooh, let me sip. One of the main bullies that I dealt with in school is a preacher now. And I will tell you how triggering that was when I walked into my church and he was sitting on the drums. I'm like, you got to be kidding. I can't get away from this dude. Um, He bullied our bus driver into a heart attack. And I know people can change. I'm not trying to trying to say people can't change. And I know kids will be kids, but that only goes so far. What are we teaching these children? 
are we teaching children that a person that looks different is not worthy of being reminded that they're different? You know, uh, because just like there is a child that's bullied, the bully themselves may have even experienced some kind of trauma. I don't know. And I'm not going to say I don't care. But at the time, you know, 40 years ago, I did not care because they made school, which I actually love the academic part of school. They made going to school tumultuous because I was so glad when they had high absenteeism. So the bullies didn't come to school a whole lot. They skipped school a lot. So when they weren't there, I had a good day. So this is part of the trauma. Um, then I will go home and I want to express this trauma to my parent. I want to say what a bad day I had and how these bullies made me feel. But when she comes home, she's so stressed and worn out from this job. She doesn't have the capacity to have these conversations. So what do I do? I start writing and my poetry was my best friend. My notebooks were my outlets of sharing and releasing uh, what I was feeling in terms of, and it probably was depression. I didn't know what that was back then, but it could have been depression. It could have been PTSD back then. All I knew was I was sad. So even as a mother now, when my daughter chooses to isolate, it does make me nervous. And I ask a lot of questions like, are you being bullied? Is somebody bothering you? My daughter will tell you, I do ask these questions because I look at the silence as hiding something. But that's not every child's story. And my daughter is very confident. I thank the Lord that she sees herself as beautiful, as smart, um, because I didn't see that for myself until I started to surround myself with people who would look like me as a kid. Um, the underdogs, I rooted for the underdogs. We weren't, you know, we weren't popular. We were the ones that had the dark skin. We may have had a jerry curl. We made a, we may have had the not so best clothes. That group was my group. And those were the people who I connected with. I mean, no no shade to the light-skinned, pretty cheerleaders that the boys wanted. But I wasn't in that population. And those girls, you know, would dare not associate with the underdog. You can't be seen hanging out with a fat girl. Oh, when that rumor gets out, oh, it's, you're done. You're done. So this is the kind of trauma that children go through and internalize if it isn't addressed, if you're not having conversations. Now, of course, we live in a time now where many kids are going to school online, but there is still in-person school. And you should be having discussions with your children about how was your day. And last week's discussion was who moved my table, the dining room or kitchen table was meant to be that place where parents said, hi, honey, did you have a good day? What did you learn today? What happened in school today? And we don't do that. So where is that information going? Nowhere, because the child is internalizing it. And then it manifests in their behavior. 
And then we want to slap labels on them about mental illness and learning disabilities. And I'm not saying it's not that, but we jump to that so quickly without taking the responsibility for just having some basic conversations. And parents, trust me, I know how important it is to get out here and work. I was a single mother for many years. And I know how it felt to have to work the odd shifts to bring home money, to have to sacrifice and take my daughter to her grandparents. I hated having to do that, but thank God for my family support. But even with all of that, you can't be so tired and too withdrawn that you don't pay attention to your children and that you let them raise themselves. Because trust me, I dealt with some very dark stuff, some very dark stuff in my alone time, in my isolation. And back then, when I was young, we had what's called a chat line. You would call the time. And yes, we used to have a number for the time, y'all. We ain't always have cell phones and stuff. You would call the time. And it would say, at the tone, the time will be. 524. And then if you stayed on it or you kept dialing it back and forth, it would turn into a party line of people. I'm not lying about this, y'all. If you count it over and over, the lines would cross and you would end up on a phone call with three or four, five or six different people asking, what's your name, girl? And we we had that going on for a couple of years as kids. And what happened was we started hooking up with these people. So we didn't have internet. We didn't have Snapchat, Twitter, you know, all the other stuff, Facebook, but we had a phone number we would call that switched over into a party line, meaning a bunch of voices saying, what's your name? Where you at? And I met someone. I met a, an older gentleman through that, lied about my age, he lied about his age and it ended up being a very inappropriate relationship that could have cost me my life. I could have been trafficked. Human trafficking is not brand new. They just call things different terms as the years go by. But this man had to be in his 40s, if not 50s. And I was 14. Yeah. And it wasn't that I, I was so gung ho for sex. I was gung-ho for attention and love and, and acceptance. And when you don't give these things to your child, they will automatically seek these things from another source. And nine times out of 10, it may not be the right source. So I caution parents and I, I, I really encourage parents to have the conversations with your children about what's appropriate and inappropriate in terms of relationships, touching, that they need to be able to come to you when something just doesn't feel right. Um, make them feel loved and beautiful so that they don't have to seek out that feeling from a stranger. And this is still happening today. When I look online and I see all of these missing 
young girls. I'm going to be honest. The first thing that comes out in my mind is that could have been me. Secondly, I pray that that baby is safe. And I'm wondering in my mind, did she hook up with somebody through the internet that claimed to be in love with her and give her the world? And they told her to meet them at so-and-so corner at so-and-so bus stop. And now they have that girl. Predators were around back then, but they're around even more so now because of technology. Because they can now create fictitious profiles and pretend to be whoever they want to be. So many lies. So much deceit is going on. Watch what your children are doing. Be mindful of where they are going. Yes, kids want their privacy. But when these children are in these rooms, you know, for days and days without coming downstairs and speaking and showing you their faces, that's a problem. That's a problem, y'all. So let me bring this to the topic today. At 47 years old, I have several ailments. And what doctors are doing now in terms of your holistic care, instead of just jumping into give her, you know, insects, give her, you know, all these different drugs, they are looking at each part of the patient's life. They uh, link you up with a psychiatrist to see what's going on in your head. They link you up with a nutritionist to see if the food you're eating is perpetuating illness. They link you up with the pain management clinic because they're trying to figure out where is this coming from? And many times they don't really have the answer concerning the origin until we start to get into what has happened to a person in their lifetime. So the first time that I was violated was by my mother's second husband. Excuse me. It's still real raw. And um, the traumatic part of that was that I wasn't believed. So that sat with me and stayed with me in my mind for years, for years. In the back of my mind, here I am living my life, going to work, you know, doing big things, you know. But in the back of my mind, wondering, why did she believe me? Why did she choose him over me? And I wasn't talking about it to nobody. So my body started to to absorb absorb what was going on in my mind. So um yeah, that's probably why one reason why um I wanted to get this book The Body Keeps the Score. Y'all excuse my puppy. I'm going to ask his mom to um move him into another room. So um excuse me just a moment. But um and when you don't address trauma, when you don't address things that are in the back of the, I call it the archive of the mind. There's literally, I'm not a doctor, but I envision that everybody's mind has different file cabinets. And in the file cabinets of your mind, 
the back row of the file cabinets. There are things that we probably have disassociated ourselves from because we don't want to deal with it. And I did that for many, many years. Um, the second situation that I endured was, I guess you can call it, I was being groomed um, by our church organist. And he basically claimed to, you know, claim to have an attraction towards me. You know, I don't know why those boys don't like you. You're beautiful. Uh, I want to help you become a woman. And this man is still, you know, a pretty popular Detroit um, uh, organist. Even these days, he, everybody's still hiring him and, and they, some of them even know what he's done, but people see the gift and not the person. And that's a whole different show. Um, but I didn't realize I was being groomed. I gravitated towards it because I felt so ugly and felt so lost. So him looking at me in a sexual way, even though it was wrong, it made me feel like, oh, maybe I'm growing into a woman. Oh, maybe I am attractive. And what predators like that do is they prey upon the vulnerable victim, the vulnerable child. Uh, the one that's going to say, oh, wow, okay, I mean, sure, whatever. So Sunday after Sunday, when the opportunity presented itself, you know, he would draw me into his dressing room and, and you know, have his feel or whatever. And, you know, don't tell anyone our secret. And, uh, you know, you're, you're growing up and I want to help you see yourself as the woman that you're blossoming into. And part of me did know it was wrong, but the other part of me was like, at least somebody is paying attention to me. You got to understand the mind of a young woman that is physically to herself, physically unattractive, and boys her age are not looking her way. They're bullying her. So the first thing smoking that pulls up with the compliments is where I gravitated to. And that's why young ladies really do need their fathers. Whether you're in the home or not in the home, they need you to, to make sure that you remind them of their beauty and remind them of how they should be treated and remind them that they don't have to succumb to that and that they are worthy of you know, the right kinds of relationships. When you don't have those conversations, you leave the child to find that type of love in the wrong places. And I, and if that person, that man that I was dating at 14, that was darn near 50, could have taken my life, literally could have not just taken my life. He could have been a serial killer and, and took my family's life. So you need to have these conversations with your kids to prevent some of these traumatic events from happening because they're being carried from generation to generation. And we need to stop that. So what I want to talk about today, um, the body keeps the score even when you don't tell the story. And I the reason why I'm doing this, this has been one of the things I've always wanted to do is have my own show, my own platform. Um, and this came from me being a child because I didn't feel as though I had a voice. So I wanted to create a platform 
where I could have a voice and not be told that I don't matter. When when I, when I was growing up, you know, kids, you couldn't you couldn't say too much about adult situations, even though somebody, you know, messed with you and, and turned you into a, an adult too soon. You dare not, you know, intervene in adult conversation. Children should be seen and not heard. So a lot of the conversations that were happening were probably amongst kids and their friends because we didn't feel comfortable saying, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, so-and-so, can I speak to you about this? It took me years to finally tell my family uh, at least one or two years about what had happened to me. I mean, years, years, y'all. So um, I just implore you to have these conversations. But let's get into the body keeps the score. I want to show you this book. And I've had it in my possession for a while and just recently opened it. Let me show you this book. The body keeps the score. I want to read a little bit because I want you to, to understand that this is this is a scientific fact. I'm not making this up that the body keeps the score. Uh, I just added the other part when you don't tell the story because many of us have not told our stories. And that information is, is inside of us and we are getting sick literally over it. Okay. So reading from the prologue of a body keeps the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk, MD, because I want to make sure I give him the credit for his work. One does not have to be a combat soldier or visit a refugee camp in Syria or the Congo to encounter trauma. Sidebar. So when you hear
My apologies, you all. I hope we are back on live. We had some failure here in the home. Okay, I'm back. Could someone let me know in the comments that you can hear me and see me? I apologize for that delay. We are back. We are back. Whew, when it rains, it pours, y'all. Okay. So the body keeps the score when you don't tell the story. I'm not going to be on long, but I wanted to make sure we got into this book because this book is so good. And I'm going to be going through it um, bit by bit over the course of the next few weeks. So here we go. One does not have to be a combat soldier or visit a refugee camp in Syria or the Congo to encounter trauma. Trauma happens to us, our friends, our families, our neighbors. The research by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has shown, come on stats, that one in five Americans was sexually molested as a child and one in four was beaten by a parent to the point of a mark being left on their body. And one in three couples engages in physical violence. A quarter of us grew up with alcoholic parents, y'all. And one out of eight witnessed their mother being beaten or hit. Woo. So let's talk about that because I know we, many of us believe spare the rod, spoil the child. And I believe that as well, but I believe that in context. But what happens is if you are already a stressed out parent, you already didn't get home from work and you've endured stress at work, stressing your mind, stressing your body, what's going to happen when you start to spank, whoop, whatever you want to call, beat that child? If you're not careful, you're literally going to explode on them and hurt them so much that you're leaving marks on them. Every thought of who you wanted to come against can come to your mind in that moment. So I, I tread very lightly now when it comes to physical punishment for children. I, I tread that way because as a child, I remember the extension cords and the tree limbs and different things. And I'm not saying I didn't ever deserve a spanking or whooping. Please don't, don't get me wrong with that. But what I'm saying is in those moments of rage, I saw and I felt her pain from everything else. And I've even done that myself to my own daughter. Did she, does she have a, a smart mouth at times? Yes. Did she deserve the manner of spanking that I gave her? Probably not. Because it's hard to separate anger when it's coming through you. You're thinking you're only spanking your child. But in a way, you're lashing out at that boss who's gotten on your nerves. You lashing out at the people who have, you know, hurt you on the street or other people who have traumatized you. You just have to be really careful. You have to be really careful with that. Let's keep going. Traumatic experiences leave traces. That is so true. That is very true. Whether on a large scale, on our history and our culture, or close to home, on our families, with the 
dark secrets being imperceptibly passed down through generations. They also leave traces on our minds and emotions, on our capacity for joy and intimacy, and even on our biology and immune system. The body keeps the score, y'all. Even when we don't tell the story, the body is keeping the score. And that's why I wanted to go there tonight. So when we end up getting married, when we end up having children, this unresolved stuff that we're dealing with ends up following us down the aisle, ends up following us into motherhood, fatherhood. And we could be, I'm not saying that this is your story, but we could be putting some of that on other people and not even knowing it not even knowing it that's heavy to me let's keep going trauma affects not only those who are directly exposed to it but also those around them when a soldier returns home from combat he or she may frighten their family with their rage and emotional absence the women and the wives of these men have pressure, depression because their husbands have PTSD. The children of depressed mothers end up at risk. They're insecure and anxious. And they're exposed to family violence. So these children are being born into these scenarios. And now they are being, they're absorbing what's happening around them. They're absorbing what their parents are experiencing. You may go behind the door and close the door. You may have these, you know, what you think are private conversations, but they're not. They're not private. Your children are literally hearing what's happening, especially when it becomes violent. So I'm saying this to say, be open to the fact that your body could literally be manifesting some stuff that you dealt with as a child and you may not even remember what it was down to the details. Your body could literally be housing so much stress. We, my family, myself, I think my daughter, as well as my mom and my grandmother had this knot. There's a knot on the back of our neck. I used to wonder what that was. And I believe it's where all of our stress goes. When I get really, really stressed, that knot grows and it pulsates. And I've had to have clinical massages to get that knot out because that is where, for my family, all of our frustration and tension seems to go. And you may have to do that for yourself if you have those pressure points where your stress just builds up in your neck, your headaches, um, certain parts of your body. You may have to take yourself to a clinical masseuse, someone who is trained as a professional that knows how to get to those parts and massage out some of that stress. But more than that, you got to figure out how to keep the stress from you and from your body. So I got a couple of articles too, y'all. And I want to talk about the emotional 
trauma and the mind-body connection. This article came from WebMD. I want to make sure I share my sources uh, because I, I believe in giving honor to whom honor is due. I cannot take credit for the information, only my commentary. Uh, but I like to base my conversations on facts. Uh, there's opinions and there's experiences in here as well. But talking about a subject like this, I wanted to have my ducks in a row and have my facts straight. Emotional trauma and the mind-body connection. About half of Americans will go through at least one traumatic event in their lives. Wow. Half. Afterward, it's very common to feel jumpy, sleep poorly, and have nightmares and flashbacks. When I tell you, this is my commentary. When I tell you there has not been a night where lately that I have not had um, some kind of nightmare, some kind of flashback, I'm still grieving the loss of my grandmother. She died in 1998. She still comes to me in dreams now. And it seems so real. We have full-blown conversations. It takes place in her previous home. And down to me being able to taste the fried corn that she makes for me. When I'm telling you, and trauma can sometimes cause that. Let's get back to the article. So it's also normal, according to WebMD, for your body to react in physical ways. The body keeps the score, right? Headaches, upset stomach. Now, you have people who always need ginger ale, me. And we kind of laugh it off about our stomachs being messed up, but there could be a reason why your stomach is always messed up because there are some things on your mind, in your heart, in your spirit that you haven't dealt with. Muscle tension. We just talked about that. Fatigue. You're always tired. Always tired. Something is draining your body of its energy. And it could be an area of trauma. So why it might happen. What's happening according to this article in WebMD called The Mind-Body Connection of Emotional Trauma. This is what it's saying. The author suggests. Our nervous systems are reacting to the trauma. If we detect danger, our nervous system kicks in and it's a sympathetic nervous system and that controls the fight or flight response. Fight or flight. Either we're going to fight or we out of there. These systems also control the digestion and your heart rate. So once they spring into action, your body works differently. This could explain why trauma is linked to everything from constipation to fainting. OMG. And I knew I have a relative who had fainting spells. And we thought it had to do with heat exhaustion, and it could be. But what this is suggesting is the way our nervous system responds to trauma it can go from constipation to fainting and everything in between. There is a physiological response to things that have happened to us that we're not talking about. Back to the article. Trauma is associated with long-term physical health problems too. 
trauma survivors are about three times more likely to deal with irritable bowel syndrome, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, and chronic fatigue syndrome. So all the ailments that we're dealing with, all the medications that we're taking, some of this could very easily be connected to the fact that something has happened in our lives, whether in childhood or adulthood, that has traumatized us enough to affect us down to our nervous system. And that's one of the reasons why I am an advocate for having several doctors, a physical doctor, a primary care physician, first of all, that you sit down with and you talk to about everything that you are dealing with, everything from the rooter to the tutor, from your mind to your feet, because they can help you decide what other specialists, be it psychiatry, be it pain management, be it dietary, what other specialists they need to refer you to to get you together in these different areas. We have to stop neglecting our care. We cannot keep functioning, being mothers, being wives, being sisters, being friends, being bosses, being entrepreneurs, being pastors. We can't continue functioning in these different roles when we are not well physically and we are not well mentally. It's not fair to us and it's not fair to the people that we are called to impact. Take some time to get help. There is nothing wrong with having a therapist or two, a counselor, a psychiatrist, and let it not be a reactive type of thing. Let it be proactive. You want to make sure you're okay on the, a daily basis. Now, if you are enduring something that has flared up in your life, such as with me and some of my trauma, that did cause me to get help. But now that I'm working through that part of my life, I'm going to keep these people close and keep these appointments because the healing process needs to be cultivated from all angles, the spiritual and the clinical. So let's talk about what we can do. What is it that we can do to help ourselves knowing that our bodies give off physical responses to internal pain? Let's go back to the WebMD article. No matter how you respond to trauma, experts agree that leaning on loved ones is one of the best things you can do to get back to being yourself. Contrary to popular belief, we all need somebody. You can call yourself, I don't need nobody. It's just me and Jesus. God is my husband. Jesus is my nephew. You can, you can play that role if you want and try to be spooky spiritual. But at the end of the day, confession breeds healing. You need someone to talk to. And we can ask God to show us who's genuine because everybody in your family ain't able to handle the information you're going to give them. Some of these older family members, when you go to them about what you've gone through, they tell you to shut up and don't say nothing else about it. Shame on them. Shame on them. So you need to connect with people, be it blood family or God has a way of giving us 
non-blood relative family, it's more about the relationship than the bloodline. You need to find people that you can trust, that can be your safe space, in addition to therapy now, okay? They, they can't take take up for being a therapist. Now, they're not therapists. So still get your therapist, but still have people in your circle that you can pick up the phone and say, I just need to talk this through. And dear person on the other end, they're not necessarily asking you to fix it. They really may just need you to listen and don't interrupt. We didn't get to where, Lord Jesus, we didn't get to where now, y'all. We can't even have a conversation without interrupting people mid-thought. We got to just get in there like a, like a double dutch. No, no. Allow that person to release and relinquish whatever it is they are feeling, if you want to help them for real. And then when they are done, when they take a natural breath or pause, you ask them, can I say something? And then don't go into this judgmentally, please. Let them let it all out and acknowledge their truth. All I wanted to hear growing up was that my parent believed that I was inappropriately touched. The fact that she did not believe me became more devastating than the molestation itself. That man didn't have no investment in my life like she did. All I wanted to hear was, baby, I'm sorry that I didn't do anything about it. I'm sorry this happened to you. But because that wasn't the case, in the back of my mind, all I heard was, you're lying. You just don't want me to be happy. You just mad because he's not your dad. And that wasn't the case. Listen to your children, y'all. Listen to them. More than likely, they're probably telling the truth. But let's go back to the article. People can be a source of comfort, an audience to help you talk things through, and they can be a distraction to help you stop fixating on the event. Oh, my goodness. So you may need to find yourself a support group. I thank God for my sisters who I've crossed paths with this year. And through book clubs and through different events, I thank God for the connections that I have because I have grown to love them and have grown to respect them uh, a great deal. And my conversations with them, I do not take for granted. They're very, they're spiritual women, but they also um, are very grounded and understanding and in terms of my human experience. So you may need to do some different things and connect with people either in small groups that you can trust or one-on-one. -on -one. It can come through your local church. But walking through this trauma or dealing with this trauma alone is counterproductive. You're literally continuing to absorb this constant reflection in your head over and over and it has no outlet it has no outlet what else can we do take your medications if you do go to the doctor and the doctor prescribes medications to help stabilize your mood 
medications to to come against the depression although we may not like to take it we may need to just go ahead and do it i'm not saying you have to take them forever but if they can at least give you some relief right now now at the end of the day let me let me say this at the end of the day this is your life i only can give you suggestions but there is a place for certain medications that pertain to mental illness and mental health now while you're taking them take care of your body because that's something else that the articles say we could do in terms of exercise and mobility and support groups as you start to utilize these different mechanisms to help you you may find that you can start coming off of those meds only under the care of a physician I will never tell anyone to not take their medication. And I hope that you guys are strong enough to know no one that is not a physician and not caring for you should be dictating whether or not you take your medicine. You need to be speaking with your doctors. Now, if you want to come off of medications, talk to them about what can replace the medications. How could I you know, start to wean myself off and let them help you find maybe other holistic ways of, of mood stabilizing. There's even certain foods that give out certain hormones that lend to stress and anxiety. I'm telling you, this thing is so deep. But I, I just feel as though if you are under the care of a physician that you feel is competent, Ain't nothing wrong with second opinion. Stay on your medications until you are able to see someone that can help you wean off. Because cutting them off cold turkey could send you down a downward spiral, a plummet mentally. And sometimes our reactions to that plummet can turn violent. Yeah. So you can't just say, I'm just going to stop taking this when you've been taking it for a while and your system is adjusting to it, you need a doctor's care and a doctor's advice when you get on and come off medications. Now, you may also want to research again, what are holistic, herbal, organic, whatever other kind of, of natural things that we can eat, teas we can drink that can give us vitality a different way. I'm all for that. At first, I was kind of scared about that. Like, I don't know about that. You know, but over the over time, because I know that medications have side effects, it's good to look for other natural remedies as well. That's a whole nother show. But part of the healing process is talking to people, taking your medications when you need to, Making sure you are getting an adequate amount of sleep. I'm supposed to be on a CPAP machine. And I don't like that thing. It's, but at the end of the day, I need it because during my sleep study, they found that I stopped breathing at least 60 times per hour. Which means the blood flow to the, from the oxygen to my head is not flowing as it should, which causes me to shake up. It shakes me and rattle me. And I wake up abruptly with a major migraine. So a lot of the healing 
process has to do with us changing what we do each day, getting an adequate amount of sleep and rest, even down to putting away the phones in the bed. We wake up, we go to the phone. I'm guilty. We wake up, we on Facebook, we go go to bed, wake up again, we on Facebook, we reading stuff and you're in you're digesting stuff all through the night, deaths and all kind of stuff on people's timeline. That's interrupting your whole sleep. So what I started to do was I have like a uh, YouTube has like thunder, rainstorm, um, different videos of just the sound of the waves and the water. Something that's going to keep your mind calm and be careful what your eye gate is taking in just before you go to sleep. Maybe you can't be watching Game of Thrones and chop them up, beat them up, throw them in the river before you go to bed. Maybe you literally need to need to turn that off and put on some worship music or some thunderstorm sounds that's going to lightly guide you into a good sleep experience. And because we have so much on our minds, y'all, we're trying to figure out how to pay bills and how to do this and how to do that. Taking some time to decompress, having that time of prayer just before you go to bed, writing in your gratitude journal, ending your day on a good note, that could have positive effects on your sleep. If you are married and your husband or wife, if you've had a spat or disagreement, Try to squash that so you're not taking that negative energy into your sleep. Apologize. Table it for the morning. Whatever you got to do. It's always been said, don't go to bed angry when you're married. Try not to. I'm not saying it, it won't ever happen, but try not to. Because some of that negative energy and that pent up tension and frustration will follow you into your sleep. Follow you into your dreams. Even eating certain foods after a certain time at night. If I eat anything pork late at night, I'm telling you, these dreams going to be weird, weird, weird. So just watching what you eat prior to going to bed can make a difference as well. So another article that I found, how trauma affects the body. Learning how trauma affects the body and treatments to help recover. This came from How Trauma Affects the Body from Psychology Today. And the article is by Ruben Kodum, PhD. Let me give you a few more stats so we can bring this thing home. An estimated 90% of adults in the U.S. have had a traumatic experience at least once. Eight million people have PTSD at any given time. Eight million. Wow. Seven to eight percent of all adults or one in 13 people in this country will have post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, during their lifetime. And lastly, 10 percent of women will have PTSD sometime in their lives compared to four percent of men. Staggering stats about trauma. So, what are some of the effects that we can control when it comes to our body keeping the score? We learned that our nervous system 
can absorb the trauma and start to cause physiological responses, blood pressure, diabetes, different things like that, exhaustion as well, confusion, even disassociation to things that are happening. But there's other uh, physiological effects as well. There's literally stress releases hormones in our body. And this article talks about the cortisol hormone, which is the primary stress hormone that increases sugars in the bloodstream and enhances your brain's use of glucose, which helps you fight against different diseases and problems in your body. When that stress hormone is out of whack, when your body is producing an unhealthy amount of cortisol, it is toxic and it can turn into depression, heart disease, and other health conditions. The body keeps the score when you don't tell the story. So there's literal scientific data that says our bodies are creating these these hormones that are contributing to sickness in our body. And of course, prayer works, y'all. Please understand, I am not doubting the potency of prayer, but we need to understand this stuff so we can know what to pray for and know what to do to combat these issues that we're dealing with in our body. Many of us are so young and we facing ailments that back when they only 80 and 90 year old people had going on. We facing stuff from 30 and from the 30s and 40s and 50s. We are facing serious illnesses that you only associated with older people back in my day. And part of the reason why is because we are not giving our pain a voice. We are not confessing what's going on with us and we are literally hiding and suffering in silence and pretending that everything is perfect. I can remember in my childhood, my mom wanted everything to appear okay. She made it really clear when I would go over to my aunt's house or go over to church or whatever, do not tell my business. Do not tell anyone that our hot water is off. Do not tell anyone that we got to move again. Do not tell anyone you know, what's going on. And that alone was a lot of pressure because I did want to tell people that we were struggling. I did. But she wanted the appearance of everything is okay. We lived in a nice home. We drove, you know, she drove nice vehicles. And and that could be because of her own trauma and how she grew up. Maybe she was told uh, in her upbringing you don't let people into this part of your life. But to me, that is a trick of the enemy. And it's the reason why many of us suffer from depression and anxiety because we, our bodies have taken the brunt of so much by itself without the proper processing. So, and my mother did have friends, church sisters, um, a couple of them are deceased, but a couple of them are still here and they would talk to each other. So that had to be an outlet, but I'm sure that was only so much she would even tell them because the fear was, this happens in a lot of religious communities. The fear is if I say out loud that I'm suffering from blank, 
then I'm going to be looked at as not as saved, not as spiritual, not as, you know, biblically astute. How can you be a Christian and be going through this kind of stuff? Why would you not? I'm not saying every Christian will go through this stuff, but life is happening to us every day. Life is happening to our children every day. And if these things are not processed properly and they're sitting up in our bodies, in our minds, yeah, we still on the earth, y'all. Nanu, nanu. We are still down here on the earth. So without the proper care, and people were embarrassed to go to the pastor. They don't want the pastor to know what they're going through. Scared that they're going to tell the deacons and they're going to tell the trustees. It was all a big joke. Like, seriously, we struggling. What are we hiding for? What are we lying for? Why aren't we being honest about where we are? We ain't okay. We're not okay. So don't answer the phone because it's probably a bill, a bill person. Don't open the door. Don't do this. Don't do that. So I had to, I ingested all of that. Like so much anxiety on what you couldn't do in the house. What can I do? Be in my room in the dark or writing in my poetry book or whatever. So the body keeps the score, y'all. So in addition to talking to people, y'all, we talked about getting in support groups, even if it's through your church or through like some of our employers have what's called the Employee Assistance Program. Take advantage of these free resources when it comes to counselors and therapists. I mean, your company's providing it. Take advantage of that, y'all. See your doctor. Uh, make sure that you are following up on regular doctor's visits. Make sure that you are seeking mental health help. And check on your friends. Y'all check on each other. Because we get to the point where, hi, Auntie Emma. Thank you for joining me. We get to the point where we are in our own worlds. And you don't want to say what's going on. And you really only hurt yourself. Yes, Auntie, life is happening at a very rapid pace. The pandemonium from this pandemic has changed the way we live, how we work, how we move, how we run our businesses. Some places of employment don't exist anymore because of COVID. Some people lost jobs. They had to do other things to support their family. So all of this is happening on top of what may have already existed in terms of our own trauma growing up. It's compounding. It's compounding. So we need to take care of ourselves. And Auntie Emma, who's in the comments, she is a wonderful sister of mine and who has been such a rock. If she ain't heard from me in a day or so, Hunty, what's going on? She called me Hunty. Hunty, what's going on? You know, and I say, Auntie, just pray. What's going on? And that next thing I know, my phone is ringing. Because when we isolate and when we choose to turn the lights off and just mold and soak in those dark places, that is the enemy's playground. And he starts to tell us lies. Like, your life ain't worth living. See, you thought this was going to happen. You ain't worth this. Your business ain't going to flourish. You ain't got no friends. Don't nobody care about you. 
And then you come out fighting because you feel as though you alone when you don't really have to be. Sometimes we've chosen to be alone because we didn't want to share what was happening within us. Don't allow the enemy to trick us into isolating. Let the people who love you talk to you. See your face. Thank God for FaceTime and Zoom and, and Teams or whatever else because we are in different places, but we can still connect. Good question. What do you do when a person refuses to talk about the problem? That's a very good question, Auntie. And all you really can do is just remind them, I'm here when you're ready to talk. Pray for them. Maybe um, send them motivational or uplifting songs, scripture, um, because I get those all the time um, from my friends. Because I've been that person. Auntie Emma, I've been that person that didn't really want to talk. Because talking about it made me think about it. And thinking about it made my hair hurt. So that is a real good question. I, When I've dealt with that with people, I just, I guess I'm, I'm a pest. Because <laughs> I would be texting them. I wouldn't overwhelm them with text. But I would just say, I love you. I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. Uh, when you're ready, I'm here. Um, and sometimes it hurts when a person doesn't want to return your calls and doesn't want to open up because you want to help so bad. So that's a good question. And only answer I can give, Auntie, is to still be there, send, send a text, send a song, send a voice message that just lets them know, I understand that you don't want to talk right now, but I need you to know I ain't going nowhere. I need you to know that my phone line is open. I need you to know that I am here for you. And if you change your mind and want to talk, I'm here. And what scares me the most, Auntie Emma, thank you for being in the comments. It scares me because when people don't respond, I'm like, Lord, what are they doing? Are they at the end? Are they thinking about suicide? Because I've had a couple of girlfriends do that. I do get scared. I do. But that's when I'm, I'm, I pray, Lord, wherever they are and whatever mindset that they're in, could you just please touch them and let them know that they're not alone? You know, I think about my two sisters all the time, which is why when I have anybody in my life now that's going through stuff and they back off from me i literally get scared and i just went through that with um one of my play aunties and she has been going through some things and when she you know expressed her feelings it hit me so hard and i was like i just want her to be okay but sometimes you know what auntie i know i it could feel like you're harassing them but it's like you can't help it from sometimes you can't help it. They're going through domestic violence. Oh, Jesus, Auntie, that's a heavy one. Because you can't help but but try. Because you never know when they're being abused. You never know. You don't want that that next blow to be a fatal blow. So it may feel like you're harassing them. 
but auntie, the best thing I can say is still, still reach out, still reach out because maybe that next time they'll, they'll call back. And I, you know, I know a person who has experienced domestic violence. And to be honest, I can't even talk to them about it because I think I'm going to burst out crying. I want to ask a whole lot of questions. I do. I really do. But I, I try to avoid that conversation because it scares me. It scares me. I personally have never endured that. I've endured other kind of domestic issues, abuse in the home, but not that kind of violence. But auntie, you can't stop trying because you love them. Your love for them is not going to let you stop trying. So even if you text every couple hours, twice a day to say, hey, you got help here. Hey, I'm here. I would still do that for your own peace of mind and just praying that that next time you reach out would be that time that they will pick up. But I, I can see how it could seem as though it's a little bit on the harassing side. But I've also had a situation in my life growing up with a good, good, good friend of mine who, who she was in an abusive relationship. And I had to choose between telling her family and losing my friend. And I, I it was an easy one. I called her daddy and said, listen here, this is where your daughter is. And even if I lose her friendship for the rest of our days, as long as she alive, I'm good. And we are back friends now. But I had to make that choice. Because she's like, don't tell my family where I'm at. I'm like, girl, if this man is hurting you, how am I going to sleep knowing something may happen to you? And I don't say nothing. Your family is my family. So, yeah, I broke the, the friend code and I snitched. I showed it to save her life and would do it again if I had to unapologetically because and what gets me this is what gets me y'all we have become professional pretenders even in a whole wonderful world of social media some of the things people are posting oh they're doing really good and maybe they are but i guarantee you not everybody is, is good today if you post if you look at my page and you may be like, what's she going through? One minute, I may be on top of the world. And then I may get some news that smacks me into the corner. And I'm feeling a certain kind of way. So, but I'm honest about mine. I mean, some days I feel good. I'm on top of the world. I mean, I'm, I'm on the clouds. But there are other days, depending on what images have come forth in my brain or this this season right now, this holiday season, y'all, is not the best for everybody. We're supposed to be getting with our families, getting ready for a wonderful dinner, you know, everybody gathered around. But some of us are grieving people who are alive. We're grieving broken relationships that haven't been reconciled. My parents would have been married 35 or 36 years this month. My deceased grandmother would have been 90 something this month. And it's like, man, and there is a disorder called, I think it's called seasonal affective disorder, SAD, that 
has people in a deep rooted depression during the holidays. So I do a lot of praying, not just for myself, but for people who this time of the year brings forth so much sadness. Invite your friends over who you know may not have family. Invite your friends over who you know just suffered a loss. This is going to be the first year we have Thanksgiving without my Uncle Willie. Boy, am I not looking forward to that. But when a loved one passes away, you go through a series of firsts. First, first. How are they without them? Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthday, Easter, whatever. You go through a series of firsts. But you can get through it. You can get through it. Reach out to your friends. And for those who are getting the phone calls and ignoring them because you in your feelings, I've been there. Please understand how it makes the person on the other end feel. They suffering too because they love you and they want you to be okay. Real love wants you to be okay. Even if you don't want to have a full-blown conversation, maybe y'all want me to ask you no questions. But even if you pick the phone up and say, I'm alive, I'm struggling, pray for me, and I will try to call you back next week. Just let people know you are alive, y'all. You may not understand trauma as we read in this book, The Body Keeps the Score. This trauma is not just affecting you. It's affecting people around you who love you i thank god for the support of my family walking me through this it's been tough it's been tough i thank god for my husband my daughter my cousins my sisters my real sister and all of y'all because this whole thing I don't want to get emotional where my tea at y'all let me get my tea this whole thing this whole critical conversation series is to help people finally get to a comfortable place where they can say I need help I need help and you can't pray everything away. Now, prayer changes things, changes people. Yes, it does. I will never discount that. The reason why I'm still alive is because my grandmother, my aunties prayed for me, prayed for me. But you got to know, y'all, even when you're going through, the people who are connected to you are just trying to get to you before it's too late. So even if you don't want to pour it all out on the table at once, I respect that. But if you can at least just say, I'm in my feelings, I am hurting, come to me or meet me so-and-so a place, because we ain't sleeping at night knowing that our loved ones are struggling. I know I'm not. I have spent countless hours dealing with my own trauma and trying to make sure that the people who I love are okay. 
I want the people in my circle who I love to be okay. The body keeps the score, y'all. There's shock waves going through our body because of trauma that we have not spoken. It's not just in your head. People say that all the time. It's just in your head. Deal with it. Get over it. Shame on you. Please don't ever tell anybody that. Trauma, it has been proven that trauma leaves a psychological, physical, and physical imprint on your body. Another article that I found, you know, I love information, y'all. If y'all haven't learned anything about me, LHG loves information. She loves learning. I secretly want to go into social work because I really want to understand the human mind and human behavior. Um, what I have been through has caused me to have a desire to want to understand how people function. Um, so my last article that I want to go through with you, how unprocessed trauma is stored in the body. This comes from BioBeats, in case you wanted to bring it up. So let's talk, let's talk about it. It says the truth is that trauma is not just in your head. It leaves a real physical imprint, jarring your memory storage processes and changing your brain. Mm-hmm. My auntie says, my God, I went to a funeral of a customer that passed away from cancer. Oh my God. And then to hear at a to hear at the funeral she was being physically abused too on top of having the cancer, Auntie Emma. Who you just don't know what people are enduring. The same people that you go to church and see dressed up had it up, suited up, booted up, hair, nails, makeup, flawless, shouting and jumping and giving God a good old stomp. But they're going home broken. The cancer was enough, but on top of that, she was being physically abused, Auntie Emma. I'm so sorry to hear that. While she wasn't physically abused, while at hospice, Jesus, that is so sad, so sad. And now they're gone. We have got to, we've got to get to a place as as people where we make ourselves a safe haven. I'm not saying you have to internalize everything that people go through. But as a friend, as a sister, I want to always make sure that my friends know that I'm here for them to, to talk to and to pray with. Shades of Chocolate, my women's ministry on Facebook, was designed to be a support group for women. All colors, all creeds, all nationalities, all everything. But to be a place where if there was something on your heart that you wanted to talk about, we can talk about it, pray about it, look up articles about it, learn about it, educate ourselves about it. I'm so big on learning about different stuff that affects us mentally and physically because why is that so important to LHG? Because we want God to do so many wonderful things in our lives. We want God to enlarge our territory, to put us in places and at tables of influence, but we are not able to do that effectively 
in our current condition. Many of us are hurting so bad mentally and, and, and physically. We're hurting so bad. Our body has kept the score for so much trauma that we wouldn't last in these rooms. We wouldn't last at some of these tables because we aren't healed or even whole. So this article says trauma changes your memory storage process and your brain. So you may wonder why I can't remember certain things, why I can't focus in, on certain things. It could be because the traumatic experiences that you've been dealing with has changed your brain, has shifted your brain in a sense to where you're no longer the same mentally. A woman that has been such a woman that was kind as our, yes, mm -hmm. she was kind. I'm so sorry to hear that, Auntie Emma. People are carrying such heavy burdens, such heavy burdens, um, that, and they just don't want people to, they don't want people to know. Maybe out of embarrassment, maybe because they feel as though they would be humiliated um, or seen differently if we were to know um, some of the stuff they go through. I don't know why we, we harbor that. We harbor so much. So this article says untreated past trauma can have a big impact on your future health. The emotional and physical reactions it triggers can make you more prone to serious health conditions. We talked about that. Additionally, the risk of developing mental and physical health problems increase with the number of traumatic events you've experienced. Wow. In therapy, they had us take a test. It was called the Adverse Childhood Experience Test, ACE, A-C-E. It was like 10 different scenarios, uh, traumatic scenarios. And if you if you got a high score, that meant, yeah, you needed some help. I got nine out of 10, nine out of 10. And some of the stuff it was asking about, I didn't even remember at first. Like, man. And what got me is when I was called into jury duty about a year or two ago. Well, two years ago, we've been at COVID, two and a half years. And the case had to do with sexual misconduct. And the judge asked each potential juror, had they ever been sexually abused, sexually molested, um, assaulted? And when he got to me for that question, I was like, yes, I have. I had never acknowledged it in that way. So they excused me from the case, but I'm like, I left that courthouse in a daze. Like, wow, that is a part of my story. You probably would never know it because I don't talk about it much. And because of my personality being so boisterous and, you know, I love people. But the reason why I'm doing this is to create a platform so that we can give a voice to our pain, heal from it, help others get healed, 
and step into the level of greatness that was intended for us by God and to do it whole because trauma fragments you. It breaks you into little pieces that are strewn everywhere like a plane wreck or a train wreck. But the desire of God for us to have an abundant life means that there must be hope. It must be a way for us to circumvent, not circumvent, but to process this pain the right way and not be stuck. That's, that came up in the conversation that we had last night with my sisters, not being stuck. I don't want to be stuck here. And I have been stuck here for decades because I didn't talk about it. I didn't deal with it. I didn't. I didn't. So let's go back to the article. Trauma can cause our memory processing system to malfunction. The declarative explicit memory system fails, so the traumatic memory isn't logged and stored properly. Wow. The article caused your brain a supercomputer. And when trauma happens to you, that supercomputer is compromised. Your brain literally is shaken by trauma. And you may not have realized that. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, happens to people when something so traumatic has happened, they can't shake it. Whether it's the person who's gone to war or a child who's been abused over and over, that trauma lives in them and it takes they take it with them to their other relationships. Auntie Emma says, we never know what a person is going through or hiding behind. Yes, we need to tell our story. You know, Auntie, that's so right. That's so right. And, and we all have one. This may not be your story. Maybe you weren't, you didn't experience sexual abuse. Um, maybe you were brought up in a home where there was physical abuse an alcoholic parent, the absence of parents. Maybe you found yourself on your own at a very young age due to no fault of your own. So many things um, that happened to us as children uh, that we weren't able to talk about then. And even if we tried, we were told to shut up about it. Why would you want to bring that up now, 30 years later? Why would you want to do that now? Because it's still troubling me 30 years later, 40 years later. And I'm having difficulty trusting my own spouse or caring for my own child or dealing with relationships 30 or 40 years later. And speaking of relationships, when even in dating, when you are dealing with someone that has trauma, you may wonder, why are they like that? Why don't they trust me? Maybe something happened to them where they didn't feel people were trustworthy. Maybe it's not you particularly. It's what they've gone through. So before you throw them to the curb, maybe ask some questions. Have some dialogue about them and their life. And I'm not saying you got you to gotta tell all the nitty and the gritty details. But I'm saying maybe talking about what you've dealt with could shed some light on how why you are the way you are right now my girlfriend will tell you 
my girlfriend Tasha, if we going out and the movie starts at seven or dinner begins at seven or whatever starts at seven, if if I'm going, I'm gonna be there at 6 And if she don't roll up on time, she don't wanna be mad. But it's not personal. I've had situations where as a child, my dad, who I love dearly, we reconciled, used to, you know, say I'm coming to get you. I would be in my coat, my my boots, my gloves, my mitt, my scarf, waiting on my dad in the in the window. And he would never come sometimes. So that is why I am so a stickler of time. And if a person is saying they're going to be there and that time comes and they're not there, I am triggered. I'm just being honest. Because I feel as though I'm about to get stood up again. And I turn into that seven-year-old child again. Like standing up, sweating, sweating, waiting on my dad. And something could have happened and he wasn't able to come, but he didn't call my grandmother and tell her. And I was so looking forward, looking forward to seeing him, the disappointment of being stood up. And you might be like, well, that wouldn't bother me, but it bothered me because that was my experience. That was my experience and you can't change that. So I had to start trying to give people grace <laughs> a grace period and not throw my friends away because they relate but I had to explain that to my girlfriend this is the reason why I respond so bad when you late it took me back to my childhood I'm telling you when you are when you are in relationships maybe you ought to share a little bit about you so that you can connect better because right now we ain't doing good in relationships. I'm telling you, we not. Hi, Coco. Hey, sis. We are we, we falling out with each other. We arguing, we fussing, we fighting. We blast each other on Facebook. All because of some other pain that probably ain't even got nothing to do with the person that we're dealing with. That just was the vehicle that brought up all this other hurt. Come on. So if you really want some real friends and if you want to be better in your relationships, you may need to stop being so guarded and allow your sisters, your brothers to embrace you where you are and give you that safe place to share. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Tech issues and all, I'm here. Because I needed a space to share my truth. And I wanted to create that for other people. So we can finally let that little girl know, you can go now, baby girl. We good. We good. We can resolve this. Even if I never hear I'm sorry. Even if I never hear an acknowledgement from my loved one of what was done or not done or how I wasn't protected because she's disassociated herself with it. She may never give me the satisfaction of a meeting, but I have to tell that little Latanya, it's okay. You can go now. 
so that the adult LHG can take over and move forward. Wow, y'all. The body keeps the score. So out of all these articles, they're suggesting the same thing to get through this. Talking to each other. That's right, auntie. When we, when we know that person better, we can do better. But when we don't know much about you, all we see is the result of your pain and how you're showing up on the defensive all the time. We don't know any of the backstory. And mind you, everybody can't be privy to that. You got to be able to trust the, the right friends. But I agree, Auntie Emma, when we know a little bit more about the person and we can put things in context and have an understanding of what some of the trauma is that they've dealt with, I think we can do better. We can give them a little bit more grace. We can initiate sensitively of course those conversations that will help them be free because we have spent too many decades in the cocoon of embarrassment in the cocoon of um isolation and it's become normal for us to make our body hold on to all this trauma and these bodies are breaking down hospitals and doctor's offices are thriving more than ever we ain't healthy and a lot has to do with our trauma when you know a little bit about a person's past or what they've experienced and you can relate because some of their story could be your story you can pray for them in that area you can have conversations with them if they're open to it um, you can start support groups. My sister started a life support support group. Phenomenal time of just sharing. We're not invincible, y'all. I'm getting ready to get off here. We're not invincible. We are human. We are in a human experience, trying to have a spiritual one, but the human aspects of life are still coming our way coming our way. Oh, Auntie, thank you. You're so sweet. I used to want to be a journalist when I was young. This is almost like a dream, a dream come true in so many ways, Auntie. So many ways. I love you. Always there for me. And when I say I'm your sister, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna end on this note. When I say I'm your sister, when I say I love you, when I say I'm in your corner, what I'm not saying is I'm going to always agree with you. We may have some knockdown drag outs, but we're going to get through them, stay the course, as Auntie always say, because my love for you wants to know your heart. When you know a person's heart, when they say something that ruffles your feathers, you don't give up on them. You call them and you say, girl, what you said hurt me. I'm triggered. Can't we talk? Because that thing, that thing didn't, didn't sit well with me now. And I love you. And I don't think you would hurt me on purpose. We are losing too many good, purposeful friendships over misunderstanding. And the trauma is coming out. Because, see, I knew I couldn't trust nobody. See, the devil is a lie. 
and don't let him trick you out of good friends. Don't let him do that. Don't let him do it. I'm going to get off here. I apologize for the temporary outage. I'm going to get my stuff together. Y'all pray for me. I'm so not techy, but I'm going to get this thing together. And in closing, in closing, I want to tell you, I want to remind you that it's okay to not be okay. But you need to tell somebody that you're not okay. Please don't stay in the not okay status alone. It is the breeding ground for the enemy to convince you that life isn't worth living. And a life, even with pain, is worth living. Connect to somebody. If you want to join the Shades of Chocolate Women's Support Group, go on Facebook and request to join. Your church may have small groups and you don't even know it. See if they have something there that you can connect to. The National Alliance uh, for Mental Illness, they have support groups. Look them up. Look them up. You don't have to go through this alone. That's why I'm so boisterous about my, my journey. Because when you see me posting real stuff, me just getting it out there is a part of my healing. I'm not letting my body just keep keeping a score. Because I'm going to tell the story. Your body keeps the score when you don't tell the story. When you tell the story, you give your body permission to function as God intended it to. I want to thank you all for hanging in there with me today. For hanging in here every week with me. I love you all. I love my, my cohorts. Um, Coco, Quint, Auntie Bobby, to the CEO of Trailblazers Radio, Mr. Fred. Thank you, sir, for this opportunity. Auntie Emma, thank you for being in the comments. I would love for you all to share this and replay it later on. So sorry about the minor technical difficulties. I'm going I'm to get my stuff together. Y'all pray that LHG gets it right, and she will. I hope that something was that was said today gave you just a little bit of insight on the fact that we need to take better care of our bodies as a whole and our minds because you deserve to live a long life full of quality. You want everything God has for you. You don't want to leave here prematurely over stress, over anxiety, over depression. There is hope. And if you find yourself in crisis, I end like this all the time, call 988. That is the suicide crisis hotline. There is help and there is hope for you. Shades of Chocolate Women's Group, I would love to have you as a part of that. Yes, you can share, Auntie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to, I can't wait to do my show, let the Auntie speak. I'm going to have Auntie Emma and Auntie Bobby in here. Because I love my aunties, honey. Get you a village. Do you hear me? Get you a village of a couple of good people who can listen, who can pray, who can hold you and deal with your fickle attitude when you're acting up. Love covers a multitude of faults. Don't get hung up on the small stuff. We need each other. 
This is LHG. I'm signing off. Critical Conversations. Episode 4 is in the books. I'll see you next week. Good night.